of my friends describes Leanne Morgan as a national treasure, and I have to agree. With her southern sass and dazzling charm, this top-selling female comedian has won the hearts of women and moms everywhere, and a few husbands. She has a brand new Netflix special you don't want to miss. I had so much fun recording this episode with Leanne. I think you're going to love it. I am so delighted to get to talk to Leanne Morgan today. She's just one of my very favorite entertainers in general, and I have always wanted just to sit down and talk to you. So thank you so much for saying yes and agreeing in your busy schedule of today. You're doing laundry and taking care of beagles. Yes, Jennifer. (laughs) Thank you, you angel, for having me. Yes, I'm I am trying to pack and unpack and then pack again because I'll be gone for about I don't know, eight days maybe. So I'm cleaning Spanx and I'm doing all that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess that's the story of your life these days, right? It is. It is. I just take one, I just take it all out of that suitcase. And sometimes I'll leave it on the floor and put it in another suitcase, which drives my husband nuts. But yes, (laughs) it's, it's a crazy, crazy time for me, but it is all wonderful and from heaven. I love it. I love it. One of the things that I love the most about your story, and aside to being such a big fan of yours, I love your kind of late bloomer story. You were you were doing the comedy thing at, I guess what we could say is maybe a smaller level. And just as you were about ready to maybe put it to the back seat for a while, things just took off for you. And to tell you just a little bit about me, so I've been in broadcast journalism my entire career, and then things that kind of slowed down. I was just doing a little bit here and there and thinking, okay, approaching 50, what's next? Like, what am I going to do? And then I decided to start this podcast and it has been like a whole new beginning for me. And it's really taken off and I've been so blessed by all the things going on with it. But I related to your story so much of feeling this whole new energy for what's next for me, you know? Yes. Oh, well, I'm so proud of you, my darling. <laughs> Thank you. And I do, I do think we're in a, in a unique time where people our age are reinventing themselves and their success is just now happening. Yeah. Or, you know, you look at Hollywood, Jamie Lee Curtis just won an Oscar and the other lady that won for the same movie is in her, I mean, they're in their sixties. So uh, yeah, I do think it's just a unique time. It is. It is. It's um, it's some days I'm like, okay, this really may be the best part, you know, like this, this may Mm -hmm. even, even get better, even though we love the stages of raising our babies and all those fun things. But, but this is pretty cool now too. So, okay. We both went to Knoxville. Go Vols, right? Go Vols. (laughs) Oh my darling. All right. What years were you at University of Tennessee. I was there in the early 90s. So I graduated in 93 from the University of Tennessee, got a broadcasting degree, did the whole thing. And um, what did you major in? I was curious about that. Okay. Well, I am older than you. I started in 1983 and flailed around and made horrible decisions and did horrible things, and then and quit, went back to, and then worked, went back to school, and I finished in the early 1990s, and okay. I, like 1990-91, and I ended up with a degree in crisis intervention counseling, child and family studies, oh, wow. and I loved it, and I wanted to be, if I wasn't going to be in show business, which I knew this from the time I was five, I was going to be a child and family therapist. That is I so loved interesting. all of that. 
Yeah, yeah. I love I love therapy. I love learning about people. I love relationships. I love studying little children, adolescents, you know, all that. I would like to someday maybe go back to school and get a master's and just for the heck of it. I should have probably done that during the mean, stupid COVID. Yeah, <laughs> we had a little extra time on our hands. Do you think that we studying did. that at UT and attending those classes played a role in in making you a better mom and just kind of knowing a little bit about how those little baby brains work? I do. I think I, I was meant to be a mama. I'm very, I wanted babies from the time I, I can remember. I want to be a mama. I've got a precious mama, Lucille, has been very nurturing and loving and has given everything for me and my sister. And I, so I think I had that nurturing part. I do think I've got that. And then taking those classes, I do think it helped. I think it, I, I do think it helped because I, uh, now, they would make blanket statements, those professors, like, don't ever let a baby cry. And, you know, I didn't, I kept thinking mine was going to quit breathing and I, I didn't sleep for years. But I do think it helped. And I think it helps in comedy. I help, I think it helps me observe people better and be able to translate it in my stories. Yeah, that makes actually a whole lot of sense. You mentioned your sweet mama. I think it's so funny because I feel like I know your family (laughs) because to me, they're all these characters that you bring out. Like, okay, I've never seen Chuck Kina, but in my head, (laughs) I just have this picture of Chuck Kina and, you know, all the whole stories and then your sweet little mama. I mean, I've seen a little bit of you posted about her, but I mean, y'all's relationship. I mean, that's, that's mother daughter goals and it's the sweetest thing. And I love how you share about her and the mean teenagers and the sweet baby boy and all that. <laughs> yes. And now I've got a grandbaby boy and another boy on the way. So we're oh, going to have brothers. Uh huh. Oh, June the first. Oh, right around the corner then. I know. And that we've is... never had brothers before. So we're excited about having two little boys. Yes. That's what I'm the mama of, two little boys. So there's nothing sweeter. I love it. I'm, I'm real partial to those baby boys. <laughs> so tell me about how you made this switch from you were a stay-at-home mom for years. And you said you knew you were meant to be a mom. That was just ingrained in you. And then kind of started selling the jewelry on the side. Was this one of those like home party? situations. We've all been to one. Yes. I, my husband, we graduated, well, he graduated with a master's and then from UT and, and just a fluke, had never stepped in a mobile home, went to play golf with an old man and his daddy that, and this little old man was about to retire and sell this business, a refurbishing mobile home. So my husband buys it. We get married, moved to Bean Station, Tennessee, which is in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And I got pregnant with my first baby and I wanted to stay home with him and breastfeed. And I, I told my husband who is very tight and, you know, has been saving for our retirement since he was 27. I said, Chuck, I mean it. I don't have to buy anything on the wall. I won't get my hair done. I'm going to give up everything. I want to stay home and breastfeed this baby. And then I realized I didn't need to get my hair highlighted. And I, and I, my, one of my good friends from Nashville said, I'm selling this jewelry, Lynn. You can make a little money and talk to people. I look back on it, Jennifer, and it, and it was in God's plan is all it was to it. Because I started selling this jewelry in women's houses like they do Mary Kay. Yep. And I don't care a thing in the world about jewelry. And I, and I was supposed to be showing, you know, how you can put up, uh, 
clip earring on a pump shoe and change the look of it. And I was talking about breastfeeding and hemorrhoids and what was going on. And I was resented Chuckina for not hearing the baby cry in the middle of the night. And I look back on it and I had my own little comedy club, even though there were no comedy clubs up there. And I knew I wanted to be a comedian. And I just, I just didn't have the confidence. I didn't know what to do. You know, I was raised in a farming community, 500 people. I did, I would have never gone to LA at 18 and like just tried to make it. I, I did not have that in my background or I didn't have the confidence. Anyway, I look back on it now and I had my demographic women in my, like having to pay attention to me. We'd eat some dip, eat a brownie. I was supposed to be talking about jewelry and they couldn't get away from me. And I honed material. Like some of my first material was in those living rooms and the company, I started booking so far in advance that the company asked me to speak at big things. So I started, that's how I got in front of a lot of people that then said, you need to be a stand-up. So as you were growing up, were you were you always funny? Were you just that kid that, that the whole family was laughing at and with and, and all of that? I hate to say that, but yeah. I mean, it sounds <laughs> arrogant, but yes. But my mama is very funny. My dad's funny. My dad's a good storyteller. My mama's Lucille could dazzle. Everybody wanted to be around her. She's fun. She's still fun. She, go, she goes up to senior citizens, plays cards. She's got, you know, she's had a stroke. So she, people, a lot of people can't understand what she's saying. She's still killing up at the senior citizens. Everybody thinks she's the funniest thing. Anyway, I, yes, and my sister was always really, very shy, but it's got a good sense of humor. And she was very introverted. But my grandparents were funny, and we just all laughed and had a ball. And and they would go, Lynn, say that. And then my school teachers, I had wonderful school teachers that would say, Lynn will MC. Like, they knew that I was a ham. And and they would say, will you MC this? Will you do this, Lynn? And they gave me opportunities to to kind of shine my little light, you know? Isn't, isn't that interesting how I think that, you know, I have so many friends who are school teachers, and I know you probably do too, but they, you just never know how you're impacting someone. A similar story for me of someone who ended up with a career in broadcasting, but I mean, I had people in my school that let me do the announcements on the intercom every day because they saw me as you know, someone who probably is the same, liked a little bit of attention and an audience, but enjoyed that and could read them very professionally. And it made me want to go into news. So it's interesting how adults identifying a character trait or a talent in you that you may not even know you have can really feed into your future. It's so encouraging. Oh, I know. God love teachers. What would we do without them? But you've got, you are a beauty and you've got a beautiful voice. (laughs) <laughs> and you've got pretty teeth. So I, I know how you ended up doing that. <laughs> Were you in a sorority at UT? Let me ask you that real quick. I was not in a sorority. No, I was I not. I wasn't either. I, yeah. I, I was I was just good to be there. Okay. Went by the school, skin of my teeth. <laughs> and my best friend, Pell Grants, got me through school. And I sure didn't have the extra money for the sorority. But I had a really good time and great friends and a great experience at UT. It was so much fun. So... Angel. See, my girls were in a sorority, and I and I wasn't. I was so worried about my high school boyfriend. I followed him there, and and Lord, we broke up three weeks after I got there. And I often think when I watch what they did, I think, oh, that probably would have been something sweet. But I was 
friends with all of them. Lord, they all call me now and bug me to death. I bet. Okay, go ahead, my darling. I'm sorry. Oh, well, they're <laughs> just asking my that my advice are like, where'd you get those shoes, Lee? And, you know, something like that. Yeah. Well, I have heard this rumor from a production crew that I know here in Nashville that got the chance to work with you that the funniest person in your family is one of your daughters. Is that true? Oh, really? Oh, uh-huh. well, yeah, she's pretty funny. All right. All three of them, I think, have got a good sense of humor. And, okay, let me go back and say that their daddy is very, very introverted, does not chat. My husband is a math person, very anal retentive. Everything's got to be in his place. But thank God for people like him because they're running things. You know, it's not, if you saw this desk around me, you go, Lee, can't run anything. I mean, Thank the Lord for him. But then he bred with me and had these three children that are so fun and talkative and funny. But but none of them care anything in the world about being in the business I'm in. But this baby child who's 25, something about her, she is very funny. And we've always thought that. But she, there's something about her on camera. Like people want to see her. She's got that. She's got some, she's got something like she and I go and do these Costco videos and just tell what I'm getting for my little mom and daddy, for my baby, for my grandbaby. And people go, what's Tess doing? Let me see what Tess has on. What is, what did Tess just say? So yes, she's a makeup artist. She's a professional makeup artist. That comes in handy, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Even though she could whip me because I'll say, I've got something in 10 minutes. Can you put my eyeshadow on? She'll go, can you give me more than 10 minutes? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, she keeps me alive and she really does. But yes, yeah, she's very funny. How did you find out about her? Well, I have some friends who work with the Opry production crew, and I think they might have come to your home and done something, some sort of special with you in Knoxville. And they were talking yes. about how, much, how funny she was and that they just enjoyed all of you so much and getting to do it. When I, I let them know we were doing this interview together and they said, listen, her daughter is hysterical. So, <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I loved all of them. I loved all of them. And they made my house look pretty. <laughs> oh, God love them. I love everybody at the Opry and love everybody at Circle. Oh, yeah, they're amazing. And and that kind of leads me to the next thing I wanted to talk about. You're going to be at the Opry and in Nashville, and I'm coming. I get to see you live for the first time. I'm oh, so my excited. darling. Oh, well, I'm so to excited, too. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yes, Jennifer, just tell them and, we, and tell my people, and we'll get you back there. Yes. Okay. When I, the Big Penny tour was my first tour and I just shot that Netflix special that'll drop April the 11th. So and congratulations on that. That is, I mean, it's big time, Leanne. Thank you. I can, I still cannot believe it. I never <laughs> thought they would put, like we're talking about a middle-aged woman. There's nobody like me on Netflix. And I mm-hmm. thought they're not going to want me. And maybe that's why they ended up putting me on there. But <laughs> Um, but it is, it's from heaven. I can't even imagine. But the Big Penny Tour, they put that on sale. This was one of the first shows was at the Ryman in, Lord, what year is it? 2021. And it sold out very quickly. And I, I got to do that one show and I was, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, being raised outside of Nashville and near country music, I knew how sacred that place is and how sacred the Opry is. Yes. Because I grew up watching Minnie Pearl, Roy Acuff, everybody, you know, little Jimmy Dickens, everybody. So um, the first time I did the Opry with the regular Opry show, I thought I was going to pass out. Now, 
this new tour, the Just Getting Started tour, they booked me at the Opry by myself. I mean, I'll have an opener, but I mean, for me to be the headliner, I was like, y'all are crazy and you don't need to do this. And I'm going to worry about this and be up all night thinking I can't sell the tickets. And then sweet, precious Nashville people bought those tickets. So I'm doing that on my mama's 80th birthday. Oh, my and I'm goodness. trying to talk. I know. And, and she and she's been so sick in the last few years, but she's really doing well. I'm really hoping that she'll be there that night. Oh, how special to get to bring her there. And I was thinking about that earlier today. I thought what that must be like for you to step onto that Opry stage where Minnie Pearl and who paved the way for female comedians to step into the circle and other places, but how incredibly special that must be for you to be on that Opry stage. It is. And my family, my mom and daddy had a meat processing plant. They did everybody's meat in, um, you know, off their farms and all that out of in Middle Tennessee and Kentucky. And one of our claims to fame were the people who ran the Opry, the president of the Opry, we did his beef. And they would give us tickets every year. And my mom and daddy would take me. And I've seen Dolly Parton and Porter Wagner when they were together. I mean, oh, wow. I grew up going. So I, when people say, you know, I'm playing the Opry or whatever, if they're not from where we're from, I, I just don't think they understand. It what is all incredibly has been special. There. Yeah, it it's so is. true. It's so true. Well, I cannot wait to see you there. And then to give me a little bit more scoop on the Netflix special that's coming out. Where did you guys film that? And is this going to be all new material? Or how's, how does that work? Um, yeah, that was the Big Panty Tour. So I did, um, I did that material from a, a year and a half of touring. And I did it in, so what What you're going to see is all new. Oh, yay. But um, yeah, the new tour is all new material. So the, the Netflix special is called I'm Every Woman. We shot it in Lexington, Kentucky. We did five shows over a weekend and I shot the last two. And, and it really looks pretty. Aesthetically, it's beautiful. And I hope people think it's funny. I guess because I did that material so long, I was so, so tired of myself. <laughs> because COVID kind of just messed up the whole tour, you know, they announced mm-hmm. it before COVID hit. So by the time I shot that, I thought, I'm not funny. What is this? <laughs> I keep saying this mess. I was so tired of it. And little Karen Mills opened for me. He's a good friend of mine that is a veteran comedian who is, we traveled together on and off since 2004. And I owe her uh, a year of therapy to have to sit and listen to me in the back of a green room go, I'm not funny. This is so old. This is this stupid. What am I saying? And she'd be like, "No, you're okay." She had to lift me up. But yes, honey, we got that thing shot, and it scared me to death. I was nervous, but it was wonderful, and it was. I had a wonderful director and producers, and it looks beautiful. I got to tell you, even though I think my breasts are too menopausal, heavy looking, but that you know. When we, you and I, before we got on here, I said, I'm so about beauty, but I think being raised in the South at my age, my, I mean, really and truly, and this sounds terrible because I feel like I'm a feminist. I want women to do well, but I, but I was raised like, you better get a man and he, and Lord, he's got to have health insurance and put on a push-up bra and, you know, walk through UT campus, honey. And I did, I was looking for a man. And I didn't, and I now I think, oh, I could have taken care of myself. I'm not, you know, I could have done it, but I didn't want to do it by myself. But anyway, 
All that to be said, when the first time I saw that Netflix special, all I could think of is my breasts look heavy. Why didn't I lose weight? I shouldn't have eaten all that white flour and sugar. But it's okay. That was God's plan. It's okay. Hopefully, if I get to shoot another one, I will really try. I'm not going to have surgery, but I would, I'm really going to try to eat whole foods and, and get off a of Diet Coke. You know, I think it'll make my skin look better. You didn't need to hear all that, Jennifer. No, I need to hear it all. Oh, oh honey, you're you're glowing. Your skin looks wonderful. I feel like I've aged. I think because I'm traveling so much, I feel like I'm aging by the second. But that's okay. I'm glad to be alive. But um, what were you saying? I'm sorry. What is that last thing you said? I'm crazy. I said something about you were talking about all the 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 um, things you're going to do to get ready for the next one. It made me think about your Weight Watcher jokes that make me laugh so hard. I said, oh. "No, would you be going back to Weight Watchers?" I want to let everybody know that I I do I think Weight Watchers works. I really do. But people have to do it. And I am so twisted that I've been to Weight Watchers. I mean, that's all the truth. I've been nine times and and sign up, get a card, practically nude on way day, go in there. You know, people can see my underwear because I don't want to weigh too much. I barely have on shoes. And then I flirt with an 80-year-old man named Ed who's taking the tickets up so that I can, he didn't weigh me. I mean, how twisted. But I, I just, and then me and my friends, we'd lose water weight, lose like six pounds the first week. And then the second week we'd go, do y'all want to go to Cracker Barrel and just eat a big gob of gravy? Just really twisted. I don't know why it's in my head. Like every time I join Weight Watchers, I think I'm going to beat the man. I'm going to beat the system. Anyway, I've known people that have lost 100 pounds on Weight Watchers. It works. You just got to count points and all that. And I right. do think that goes back to... If you saw my desk and how unorganized I am, and and I just go from one suitcase to the next and, and take this purse and I don't even look in it and go get another purse, put stuff in it. I'm just not a Weight Watchers. I don't think I'm meant to do. I think that takes an organized woman. I agree. Plus, I though, totally agree. I, but I will say some of the funnest times I've ever had is at a Weight Watchers meeting. They are funny, and I just have a ball at them. So if somebody's down and y'all need to go have fun, go to a Weight Watchers meeting. <laughs> that is great advice. <laughs> I love it. Did I hear that there's a memoir in the works? Well, there is a book in the works, and it's going to come out in 2024. And it's really short, funny essays about my life. But I wanted it to be a memoir. And tell all the horrible things I did in the 80s at the University of Tennessee. But they were like, you know what, Lynn, you're not Joan Crawford yet. <laughs> and so we feel like you've got more books in you. Because I do think, Jennifer, that I, after all these years of raising children and making mistakes and doing some things right, I think I could do a parenting advice book in the fun, in fun, you know, not, you know, like a therapist, but in fun. I think I could do a, a Jello cookbook because I, I made a lot of jello during the pandemic and I still stand by a good gelatin salad for a church supper. I know some people don't like them, but anywho. It's a, li- it's a and little then polarizing that, jello salad. It are. is. <laughs> people get so, they're like, I can't eat jello. And you're like, okay, Diane, it's okay. But for those of us who love it, uh, we love it. Okay. And then my fourth book will be the memoir. My, I call that my Joan Crawford book where I'll tell all the sin. 
But right now, this one, the one coming out in 2024, which I'm having a ball doing it, is funny essays and stories about my life. And so that they can be an intro to Leanne Morgan, you know, if people don't know who I am. So you're going to take baby steps to get to the tell-all that we all want, right? Yes. I'm going to get, yes. And I'm going to tell it all, honey. I, my sister will say all the time, you tell everything. And I do. I I don't, I don't, I've always just been an open book and maybe I shouldn't be telling everything, but yes, I'm going to tell everything. And my book agent, who is so yummy and funny, Albert, he said, honey, we'll get to that Joan Crawford book. He's, he's assured you that, that you're going to get there. <laughs> yes. I wanted to ask you, we had some listeners of the podcast who were so excited when I announced that I was going to be getting to interview you. And um, so they sent in a couple of questions. And one of the ones I thought was a great one. They wanted to know how you keep a straight face with your humor. And do you do you ever just lose it? Or like, was that a something you had to work at to get really good at? Or did that part come naturally to you? Um. I think it just comes naturally. And I, yeah, I can hold it together. There's a couple of times where I've cracked myself up, but not many. I mean, I can, I'm pretty, I can be pretty stoic when I need to be. (laughs) Okay, so let's pick up. I want you to share with us some of your best or favorite advice. Our audience, most everybody listens to the podcast is a mama and that's what they relate to. What is some of your best advice? You talked about maybe even mentioning some of that in the new book that will come out next year. But to those mamas that are just in the thick of it, both you and I are, you know, the empty nesters and that kind of thing. But what about the moms who are just in the middle of it all? This has been on my mind lately and my heart lately. And I feel like I need to tell these young mamas, when you're going through if, if your child is part of bullying somebody or or leaving somebody out, like a, somebody sent me a picture two days ago of my middle child, Maggie, who has got such a big heart and sweet and works for Children's Hospital and nonprofit and raises money, has a heart for children going through severe illness, precious. She said, Leanne, look at this, Jim. And it was Maggie and her little friend and Lauren, and they were in the eighth grade uh, dance. And I'd gone to get her hair and makeup done, you know, and, and she had braces on and had blacked her own eyes out, you know, because little girls don't know how to put on makeup. And then and I'm, I'm sure whatever somebody paid somebody to do, she wiped it off. But anyway, she was precious in it. But it, it I told her it hurt me when I think about that day because she was being bullied. And Lord, she's 27. And so I don't know what mamas go through now with Instagram, Snapchat. See, we didn't have all that. She didn't. I think Facebook, maybe a little something had happened on Facebook. But she was being excluded from everybody in her friend group. It was a horrible, horrible time. And I remember being so worried about it and sitting up at night and praying about it. And the people at our school were precious. They were like, we've seen this a million times. We've got this kid's number. We're going to you know, we'll get Maggie and other activities to help her and all that. And Maggie came out smelling like a rose, went to high school. And I think cream rises to the top when you're kind and you're, you do the right thing, you rise to the top. And I think we've, in our culture, we have gotten, where everybody's so worried about their child being number one, being the most popular, all that stuff that people forget when something's going down, whether your child's bullying somebody or they're being bullied or whatever, everybody needs to teach their child to be kind, to be forgiving, to have grace for people because 
high school is going to be over with. You're never going to see these people again. I, I realize now that my children are grown. I want everybody out there to know these people that are tormenting y'all or you think they've got some big importance in your life. There will be some people you take with with you that you're good friends with after high, your kids are get out of high school. But a lot of these people you'll never see again. And don't put that much stock into what these people think. You need to parent your child. And if your child's being mean, you need to parent that child and get them ready to be an adult. Because if they're a butthole, when they get out and go to college and then get a job, they're going to be alone. Yeah. You, you know, you need to, people need to teach their children how to make it in this world as a kind human being and to be able to get along with people. And I think when people spoil their own children and they know their children's wrong and they've caught them, you know, on Snapchat bullying somebody or whatever, and they don't, they don't punish that child and, and make that child realize that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes. That it does not bode well for anybody. It's right. not going to be good for their child. It's not going to be for them later on in life. And I just see that so much now with my friends that have got younger kids and, you know, my younger friends that have got kids and still in school. I'm amazed at how we've gotten away from, if my, I had done something like that, my mom and daddy, I would have, I would have been in deep trouble. Yeah. And, and I, you need to be in trouble. You know, yeah. you need, you have to be punished. You have to learn in life. I've always you know? said that I want to, I don't want to raise the most popular kid in the school. I want to raise the kid that goes and sits with the child sitting alone at the lunch table. That's the kid I want to yes. raise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Character. You are right. That. Character. Yeah. And, you know, suffering. I, I, I think also this, I, my children went to a small private school and I, and I know it's everywhere. It could be in public school, private school or whatever, but. But parents try to make everything all right for their child. And and I did a lot of things wrong, but I knew I did some things right. And I know that suffering builds character. And if so, if mine didn't make cheerleading, Gigi, if mine didn't make cheerleading, I didn't go up there and try to get the cheerleading coach fired. I, I just sat with my child and said, I'm sorry you didn't make it. We may have cried. But I said, you know, if you really want this, let's try and you work hard and try it next year. I had some, I was around people who just trying to make everything all right and didn't want their child to suffer. And it's hard to watch your child suffer and not get what they want or not, you know, but that's life. It's why there are adults with no coping skills because they got shielded in bubble wrap their entire life and didn't have to experience toughness and difficult days. Yeah. Yeah. And there's difficult days coming for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And you want your baby to be able to cope and be able to. So I know I'm preaching now, but I do. I think I see my younger friends and their kids going through all that. And I think, oh, my gosh, you know, you you better make them into yeah. functioning adults because that's maybe what's don't, important. Maybe don't now rescue my, them quite as much, quite as much. Right. Right. And if they've done wrong, they need to be punished for doing wrong. If that means taking away a phone, a car, uh, you know, you got to teach a child how to act. <laughs> I mean, and I, that may be me getting to be an old woman in a fuzzy sweater trying to preach. But I do, I think, I just think those things are getting lost somehow in our society. And I think it's sad because you want your child to be able to make it without you, you know, and mm-hmm. be able to and get along with people and have friends and have relationships and not be a butthole. Exactly. You know, That's maybe I ought to goals. do a tour t-shirt. 
Oh, no, maybe I ought to do a tour T-shirt. Don't let your child be a butthole. I like it. I would buy it. I would wear it. <laughs> okay, so you what's, angel. Your, what's your best advice for keeping our men happy? Oh, Lord. All right, and I want y'all to know I'm not doing as well as I should. I'm a, I want everybody to know right now that I'm 57. I'm in menopause. I'm exhausted. I am still shaving my armpits, but I'm just about giving up. But yeah, you really do need, and this sounds like cavemen, but it's the truth. They really are not complicated. If you pour a little bleach in the toilet and they think you've been cleaning, Ooh. if you, and they can smell it when you come home, just pour a little bleach in, you know, in corners. And because my husband loves a clean house, his mama's kept their house like a museum. Okay, and I'm not. I'm not a good housekeeper. But if I pour a little bleach, squirt something on a counter, he'll think I've been cleaning. But if you if you have something good cooked, and I, this sounds like I'm out here milking in the 1700s, but if you have something good cooked and you do it, you do it. You have sex. That I mean, and that that's all they need. That in the end, say. Thank you so much for getting out here and working like a mule and saving and having a retirement for us. I think all I think men need to they show love through physical touch and they need to that's how they show us love and they want to do it. They need something good to eat. A good mine loves a casserole. Not everybody does. And if you thank them and make and also I was telling one of my agents the other day who was young and smart honey and is made she was valedictorian she's on top of everything just a go-getter and she said all these men I feel like I need to dumb myself down and I said what what men want to feel is it do you need them and that you need their protection they want that you you need to be taken care of my husband would knock down, uh, kick a door in if somebody was coming in the house. He wants to feel like he's protecting us. They they need to feel that way. And I think that's the way God made them. And you need to let them feel that way. And you need to let them feel, let them know that you're appreciative of what they do. They need to be told that. Lord, I raised a bunch of kids, didn't sleep, barely bathed, barely got to go to the bathroom by myself. Nobody had to tell me thank you. But that's not how women are made. Men need to be told, thank you so much for everything you do. Here's a here's a Duncan Hines cake mix with uh, bought icing. My husband loves a yellow cake mix out of the box with bought icing. He feels so loved. He looks like he's going to cry. Um, it's not too complicated, you know? is it? It's not too it's complicated. It's not. And, I, and as much as I'm exhausted and in menopause, it does not matter how fat I feel. If I if I have gained weight, it, he doesn't he doesn't care about anything. He doesn't care so if I got true. an old gown, honey. He loves me no matter what, and I'm thankful for that. And I need to do better by him. When I tell all you girls all this stuff, know that I can sit here and preach, but I don't do exactly like I'm supposed to all the yeah, time. Yeah, we probably all but I, know, we need but- to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love it. So t- we love hearing about your sweet. We love hearing about your sweet mama Lucille. So I need to know what you got from your mama. What I got from my precious mama. I think that 
I'm not as smart as she is. She could do, she could have done anything. She didn't go to college. And my dad says, every time we go home, he's 83. He goes, I should, she should have gone to college. She should have never married me. She could do anything. Very smart, very uh, accountant, ran a business, ran the meat processing business. I did not get, I'm smart in other ways, but I didn't get, she's very smart, but I got her. She taught me kindness. I feel like I'm kind and I'm, you know, and I think of others and she is a wonderful friend. I think she taught me how to be a good friend and she taught me how to cook and we love to feed people. And like when my kids come home or when I get off a plane on Sundays, I go, sometimes I go straight to the Costco and I buy everything that I think everybody needs for the week. And they all, you know, work and take care of themselves. But I like to do for them that way. And, and food is a big part of that. And that's probably being from the South, too. And she and she just gave me a wonderful sense of humor. I mean, or just to make fun, uh, like, you know, bad situations. We lighten things up. She taught me to laugh and have a good time and giggle and um. She dazzles. I think I dazzle. I got that from her. You know? Oh, you definitely dazzle. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. What would you say that your kiddos got from their mama? Oh, I hope. They're all kind. I hope they got that from me. I mean, their daddy's kind, too, and compassionate. He's more of a volunteer and helps and gives money. And um, he, they got that from him. Or servant-hearted. He He's very servant-hearted. Mm-hmm. But they got from me fun, and uh, um, I hope they enjoy life. I try to, you know, every day, every time we all get together, it's just like a big party. It's nobody's birthday. But I'll be like, order anything you want off the appetizer. And, you know, it's just like a good time. I feel like I'm giving them, you know, the ability to have a good time and enjoy life. Because, you know, it's quick. I try, I tell them all the time now because they're all in their 20s. I go, let me tell y'all, I, it was yesterday that I was y'all's age. You've got to live yeah, life yeah. every day and have a ball because you never know, you know, and it just goes by so fast. But I think they got that from me. That's the best advice. What's your favorite part about this stage? Like parenting adult children, because I love it. I love the relationship that my husband and I have with our boys and, you know, you spend so much time, you know, lamenting, Oh, they're not going to be little for long. And, Oh, you know, they're, they're going to be moving and all of that. And it, it is difficult in every stage, you know, but I don't think I realized how much there was to look forward to at this stage. Either, oh, it is. Know? It's like having your best friends in the world. And, you know, my boy, my oldest is my boy and he's married. And I was so worried about giving him up because I knew, you know, I've raised them in church and I knew that he would cling to his wife and I, I believe in the Bible. <laughs> but when it, when he told me he was married somebody, I, you know, took to the band because I thought, oh my Lord. But see now I've got it so good. Oh, that'll be me, Leanne. You're going to have to counsel me through those days. That's going to be me. You need to start praying right now for somebody sweet. And for them. Yes, absolutely. And, but I've got a sweet daughter-in-law <laughs> who's like another child to me, and they live 20 minutes from me. I'm so fortunate. And now they've got my, you know, my first grandbaby who's two, and then we got another one on the way. And um, so um, I get to, you know, be with them all the time. And and they, it's all, it's like best friends. And 
and I'll say to my husband, you know, we're going to the beach or something. I'll go, well, I'm getting a house with five bedrooms in it, renting it because I want them to go too. We want our little, our kids love snow skiing. We take them snow skiing. We want this baby to snow ski. And, and my husband will say, are they ever going to, what if they go on their own vacation? I go, oh, they don't go on their own vacation. I want them to be with us. And I, you know, I know they're going to go on their own vacations, but it is, it's like having your best friends and you are still their parent, but you, you know, you've done your job. You don't have to tell them what to do. It's just, and they need you, but, but they don't. You know, they need you like they did in the seventh grade. So it is, it's like having my best friends and I love them. <laughs> and girls really cling to their mama, but you'll get, your boys will marry sweet girls that will want to be with y'all. And I always tell people, I, sure I always so. tell people, I don't understand when people are mean to a daughter-in-law or something. Cause you're like, it's your family and you want to be with everybody and love and do if like she's pregnant, you know, with my second baby, I call it my baby. And and I go, Mary, you need a nice spring dress to get through this. Let's get one more nice dress, you know, for you to wear Easter and all that. I want to do for her. She's precious. You talking about somebody with grit and can and honey working full time, pregnant, went to MBA school, graduated, loving wow. mama, loving wife. Oh my gosh, we hit the jackpot. So we're all very close. You did. Yeah. You and did. my daughters are very close to her and so we're we're having a ball with them being grown. I really am. You're right, Jennifer. It is a wonderful thing to look forward to. It is. It is. I have enjoyed this time with you so much, and I just can't thank you enough for, you know, being able. Do you want to know how I booked this Hell. interview? I reached out to that sweet, funny daughter of yours, who I think is so adorable. And I just sent her a message through Instagram. And I'm like, I'm the biggest fan of your mom. I have a podcast that is for moms and about moms. And I would love to talk to her. And she was so sweet. And she said, here's her manager's number. I'm sure she would love it. And here we are today. So you tell her thank well, you Well, I will. Let me tell you, Jennifer, that she's moving to Nashville. And she, um, you know, she's a professional makeup artist. And she's kept me alive. And she, and she drives me around in LA and and she's going with me. I'm going to be on the Today Show April the 11th and she's doing my makeup. But we oh. can, I cannot hold her back. As much as I say I want to be with all these kids all the time, she deserves her own life. And so she's moving to Nashville to do makeup and she was getting her, she's getting her keys today in her apartment and then she's, she's oh, going to come wow. back here because she's got to go to LA with me. I know I, I need her so badly. <laughs> But she and she and she goes and checks on my little mom and daddy for me and cooks for them. And so uh, thank you for saying yeah. that. I'll tell her because she is she's special. Yes, I'll have to connect with her. Oh. Yeah, I might be able to use her services for something. Oh, that fun would be wonderful. Something like that. Yeah, so. that would be wonderful. Yes. Well, I'm excited you're coming to Nashville and for congratulations on the Netflix special. That is just so awesome. I mean, they don't give those to just anybody, Leanne. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. I know I'm, it's just crazy. I feel like every day it's just another miracle happening. Oh, and let me tell people that because Grand Ole Opry sold out, they, they added a Ryman that's June the 15th. And they may even, if that might, I think might be sold out or getting close to it. But they may add a June sixteenth Ryman. So if people if people didn't oh, get wow. tickets, I know it's crazy. If people didn't get tickets, then there might be a third Nashville show added. So you can look for that on LeanneMorgan.com. Okay. 
Oh, that's amazing. Nashville loves you. So I'm not surprised at all. They're having to add all of these shows. So that's so awesome. Thank you so much. I hope you have the best time when you're here. And it sounds like you might be in Nashville quite a bit coming up with that sweet daughter of yours moving here. I will be. I will be, my darling. Uh, And you are beautiful, Jennifer. (laughs) You are a beauty. Your teeth. You're so sweet. Oh, my goodness. Well, you are. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you, my darling. Thank you for having me. Splash a little bleach, bake a casserole. This might be the best advice we've had yet on the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for listening. We would love for you to share this episode and encourage others to subscribe to the podcast. Have a great week, everybody.